I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So uh, last week, Feel Good Friday, I kind of fucked up. All right, guys, I I made it a not so feel good Friday last week. There's a lot of bummer Friday. A lot, it was bummer Friday. Um, I honestly would say it's probably more often than not a bummer Friday. No, usually we have like usually we have a couple <laughs> things that are kind of silly, but like last week was just like all bummers. It was just like you know we've got eight billion folks. In the plant on the planet, plants dying, but also our sperm count plummeting. Like we're <laughs> fucked. Uh, that was pretty much last week. If you if you missed it, so this week I decided to change it up. I've got some really fun Feel Good Friday content and some pretty interesting stuff too. Uh, let's start with this one. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> A woman was stopped at an airport um, while she was wearing a butt plug Uh-oh. containing. Her boyfriend's ashes. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, whoa. That's got to be crossing some legal lines for sure. Well, also, I don't know. Well, I mean, wait, what, what, hold on, yeah. hold on. What legal lines do you think that's I just, crossing? I just, I, well, I, I the know. ashes part? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's like, I feel like there's laws. I, I don't know what they are. I feel like there's laws around like transportation of remains. No, no. ashes, no, 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 ashes have to ashes, be fine. Yeah, that's fine. Because that's like, you can carry those around in your purse. Yeah, like yeah. if it's I your suppose. grandma. Yeah. Um, but but right. the thing that I think purse, immediately butthole, the whatever. Thing, the, yeah, I mean the butthole is a purse for something. But the thing <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. this was her butt plug purse. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that is immediately a red flag for me or or what do you cost, put in your butt purse? Uh ashes as well. Um but the thing that's immediately a red flag for me is or or cause for alarm for airport security is the Ooh. fact that ashes can look like uh cocaine or like or like or, or like bomb dust yeah like <laughs> like like if you're putting it in your butt plug to go it's yeah. like you can do that 99 percent of the time in your day-to-day life yeah. and never have a problem going through airport security is the one okay, time now, where now, it's going to be an issue now let me let me let me throw this option at you okay it was years ago we did a live show in vancouver and we covered the uh, company that makes a vibrator that you can it, that you can place your loved one's ashes in the vibrator oh, okay. comes with a nice little carrying case, um, very like very elegant looking. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, very beautiful setup. Um, d- do you think that it's the same as as the butt plug ashes? Like if you if you had if you had your backpack, your wheelie um, suitcase. And you had just a little like, because that little case that held the the vibrator was like a little sort of, um, it was like a miniature briefcase. Mm-hmm. So like, if you if you brought that through security, you think that's more chill? You're you're probably fine, but you're probably better off to check it. You know, like, well, you're like right, you'll right, you'll right. be okay. Though they might, but well, like my biggest my biggest um, 
frustration when going through airport security is when they take your Are bag. Are you sure it's your biggest? Because like you've got a lot. Because <laughs> when we travel with you, Brian, every five minutes, you're fucking going off on something. Dude, any yeah. customer service support <laughs> no, type no, person. Love- with we Brian? couldn't get a credit card for fucking four years because Brian just reamed out the guy on the fucking phone. Brian just yells at anybody that's on support. Because it's poor customer service. And it's really frustrating. But but my but my biggest pet peeve in the airport is when you know that your bag is fine and they see something on the x-ray and they pull it through. And they, and won't, just like, li- they won't just take your and, word for it? And, and no, I, know, I understand that. <laughs> but when they're like, oh, it was your sunglasses. Oh, oh, it was your headphones. Because like, don't you know? Like, aren't you yeah. trained to know? No, that, dude, no, no, they're not trained to know I mean, anything. They sh- uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not trained to know anything. Yeah, it's a total scam. <laughs> I think the issue. I think the the difference with the uh, with the, I, I walked onto a flight once with a fu- with a fucking with a fucking um, firework in my in my pocket by accident. By accident, I didn't mean to. I sat down on the plane and put my hands in my hoodie pocket and went. <gasps> I'm literally carrying a, a piece of dynamite. I flew with weed many times by accident before it was legal uh, across Oof. the U.S. border. Oof. Uh, whoa, 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 and. Uh, and didn't realize until much later in the future. This is a comedy <laughs> podcast. That was a joke. Um, so, so let me get, let me get to the story. Sarah, I've also been arrested at the border <laughs> for weed. <laughs> Not when I Man, yeah. don't say that. Don't say that because you're going to re red flag yourself. We'll never be back allowed back down. Same. Uh, <laughs> we were together. Sarah Button. Uh, she was 23. Uh, she went viral on TikTok for wearing a metal butt plug with "Forever" engraved on it. Here is a picture of the beautiful plug. It's um, fucking metal, dude. Uh, it's a metal butt plug. Yeah, I mean, you knew that was gonna ca- get caught right away, right? Of course. Yeah, um, that was the issue. It wasn't the it e- wasn't e- the remains. But, it was the how metal it was. But even if she had, even if she had a silicone butt plug in, if she went through the 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 like, yeah, the the full body scanner, <laughs> yeah, then that would have it would have they would have found something in her butt, right? So it's like, they're, ma'am, turn around. Like, there's something in your skirt. It, and then and then they're like, there's nothing. It, What's I'm, in your like? There's something in your ass. We got to check your ass. I'm saying this not like I'm d- being dead serious. It is. Do you think that this could be like a kink, like like being well, caught in public? With no, a, no, no, no. So let me get to the story here. Wearing okay. a butt plug in, in public is is a kink. I would imagine, right? Uh, I would no. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I would say not it's kinky. I would say it's yeah. kinky, but I wouldn't call it a. I wouldn't necessarily call it a kink. I mean, it's. I mean, for some people it could be, but some people could do it and it would be kinky, but it wouldn't be a kink. Yeah, like the other right? day I saw a dude wearing a cock ring okay. in the in the in the steam room at the gym. You know, that's I don't I, think that's a kink. I think that guy was just like signaling a bit kinky yeah. and being like, "Yo, yes, it was a signal for like, hey, it was a bat. It was the bat. If you like what you see, signal. give he me was, high five. He was just we'll, throwing it up in the clouds. That's see right. Who, yeah, see who just, responds. Yeah, and I looked. <clears throat> I lo- I was looking, and he asked you. Uh, he didn't, but. <laughs> He looked at me looking. <laughs> I was just, I, I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, very, very beautiful cock. Um, so while going through customs, the law student, she was a law student. She wore the toy as a way of traveling with her late partner as she hoped to show him the world. This is actually a really beautiful story. Uh, Button, who's from Australia, uh, was bought the toy as a gag gift by her boyfriend. Is she like in um, the new Legally Blonde? Her name is Button? <laughs> yeah, her, her name is Sarah Button. <laughs> oh, um, her last name. Oh, yeah. Her last name. I thought her first name was Button. No, no. I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. So uh, so the, the, butt, the butt plug obviously raised a few eyebrows at the, with the airport staff. Uh, Sarah told needtoknow.online, uh, quote, we were initially concerned about getting it through in my carry-on, so I left it in with uh, within hopes to avoid explanations. 
Uh, it was a bit nerve wracking, but I had previously gone through security with a normal butt plug-in without incident. So I had a sense of calm and faith that we'd both make it through. She's referring to her partner, her late partner. Um, she said, I would pack him in the checked luggage if, it w- if I were to take the urn overseas with me. Uh, I didn't make the sensor beep or anything, and the friend I was with was well aware. Uh, the plug was gifted to me before the passing of my ex-boyfriend uh, that I had as a teenager. So, so they weren't, th- this was her ex. He was dying. They hadn't been together for a long time. Oh. And he was like, hey, I'm dying. Here's a butt plug that you can keep my ashes in. Um, Wait, are you sure? It sounded more like she got the butt plug as a teenager no, and then no, had no, a partner. Then the partner no. died and she was like, I'll put him in my no, old butt, right, butt no, plug. No, as a gag, as he was dying, he made a butt plug for engraved forever for her to keep his ashes in. But they hadn't been together no, for this a was, long time. This was her like high school sweetheart. Oh my. Um, I have so, so many. I have okay, so many so, logistical questions. Hold on, because, hold on, hold on. No, hold on. I, I need to get this quote out. Okay, she said, <laughs> "This is the best quote in the whole fucking article." She said, "The intention was initially a joke because he'd spent so much time in there, and it was his favorite place." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was his favorite place. <laughs> you know, I. But my question logistically is that, like, so he bought this butt plug Man, before book. and gave it to her. I don't give shit. And nope. then, and then, so he he gave this to her. But then he was still alive. So then she had to procure his ashes from the family. Yeah. So he had his ashes. He had, I mean, I think he had some of his ashes given to her. Yeah. Like it was, was, I don't think he would have said, I mean, maybe, I don't know. These guys seem very funny. So like, maybe he was like, Hey ma, when I die, I need you to give Sarah like a handful of my ashes because I'm going to get her to put it in a butt plug because that was my favorite place. Okay, mom. (laughs) And mom was probably like, all right, mate. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, for no. sure, she, no, 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 for sure, she knows now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, she wrote in the TikTok video uploaded September 9th, seeing if the um, plug emoji uh, I wear carrying his ashes will get through secure airport security, adding, he's still here. Uh, it's romantic. She captioned the video seen by more than 5 million people. Sarah didn't have too much luck when she visited Abu Dhabi airport in the UAE in 2019. I bet they weren't fans. Only to be ended up banned from the Gulf. Yeah, no doubt. I explained what it was, uh, but there was a lady worker in earshot of that conversation, which led to some back and forth between us and the mail officer officials. Uh, they did not like the vulgarity I was using to explain. She said they took me and my friend aside without much explanation. Sarah claimed her passport and mobile phone were taken away, force, forcing her to call her dad uh, to ring the Australian embassy in Abu Dhabi for help. An hour later, a big official came and had us sign a super long foreign document that said if we went outside of the airport doors, we'd go to jail. It was a long day, she said. Moral of the story is I was very ignorant of what I had in my bag and the words I used slash their values. And I didn't realize explaining a plug would like violate the person that asked about it. Um, Sarah has I mean, since traveled to places she and her ex-boyfriend only ever dreamed of going, such as the Great Barrier Reef, and are set to see the British rock <coughs> band Bring Me the Horizon in December. In the UAE, did she have it in or was it just in her bag? I think she had it in. I think, I think she's been just wearing that plug. She, as soon as she put it in, she was like, I'm never taking it out. Brian, do you think... She's well, been plugged up for months. Brian lived in the uh, UAE. I'm sure people listening, a lot of people listening know this. Brian lived in the UAE for five years. Um, if it had just been in her bag, do you think they would have taken? Do you think they would have banned? They would have not let her in. No, I I don't think so. I think it would have been. 
probably would have been fine. I think I think it was the way that she was speaking that put them off. I think that if she would have explained her herself in a more like I'm imagining she was saying that the vulgarity in which she was describing it, that was what was violating the people there. Mm-hmm. I mean, from their perception culturally. So yeah. I would say it probably would have been okay and the situation could have been de-escalated. I just assume that she probably escalated. She probably it. said like Based I, on rammed, what she's saying, I rammed him yeah. up my ass to take him to the places he wants to be. This is his favorite place. Do she, you, like, would you like have. to join him or something? And that would have like, been a huge no-no. Yeah, and they were yeah. like, wow, <laughs> yeah. you're arrested. I'm curious, do you guys think that her current boyfriend is jealous or feels well, weird? We about don't know if situation? she has a current boyfriend. Maybe she's single. But she mentioned um, that... She was traveling with a buddy. So, But did she not say that she had uh, another no. boyfriend? Can you no? travel okay. with somebody and not have sex with them? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we've traveled together. I, I, we've never fought. Close though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that was a. The, I figured that would be a great way to kick off this week. Um, you know, we're always talking about cool ways. We just recently talked about cool ways, the cool things you can do with uh, your loved ones' ashes or even your pet's ashes. And uh, this butt plug one—that's a new one for me. I and I kind of like it. It feel uh-huh. good. You know, I've never I've never worn a butt plug. Would you? But gift- I, but if I but if I had a butt plug with like Kira's ashes in it. I'd probably think about putting it up there. What like what else am I? I mean, it's either that or wear it as like a sick, like necklace um, pendant. Does I mean, Kira listen to the show? Like she regularly? does. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll clock it. So does her mother. Okay. Oh, oh shit. So uh, uh, so I'm very sorry that I miss McDonald. I'm so sorry, um, guys. For me, for me, it would really depend on the size of the butt plug. Like if Jared, if you gifted I, I, Taylor I mean, and I your I mean, ashes again, folks, you can watch the episode over on YouTube. You can see the butt plug right now. It's um, it's that's a, a that's fairly a, like sizable, but it's like a, an average butt typical. plug. That's yeah. in that one is intimidating for my butt. I don't have very much experience with oh, butt plugs, but all butt plugs would be intimidating for me. Yeah, I mean, but if it was like half the size of that, then I would be more inclined to <laughs> test even, it. Out. Even half the size of that, I'd have to, I'd have to like give you some real intense breath work. I mean, they, yeah, is like not a, a, anything <laughs> gonna be intimidating? I mean, like you don't put stuff up your ass, as far as I know. Tip of a finger. Tip of a finger. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> Tip of a finger is not <laughs> crazy. I, I, I'm just wondering, is it like ear gauges? You know, like so you got to work your way up to a certain gauge. Well, I think I, you do. I think that is true, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, to a certain... I mean, yeah, but I mean, like you could probably work your way up in one sesh. Okay. Yeah. Especially... Yeah, it's not a permanent stretch. No, no. It's a it's a session stretch. It's like it's like yeah. a give me give me an hour and a half of slow work and lots of lube, and we can get anything in there. Right. Wow. We just transitioned to uh, turn me on. Clock <laughs> yeah, okay. it. All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, hey, this is fucking real exciting news. It was uh, maybe about a year ago around this time. Um, we, uh, we had Caden Tanike and his father surprise join us on a Feel Good Friday episode. And the reason we had them on, uh, Caden and his father both have dwarfism, an extremely rare case of dwarf- dwarfism. And uh, we had them on to discuss um, the news that the ESA, the European Space Agency, had opened up um, applications for new astronauts. But the application was a little bit different this time in that they were now accepting people with disabilities to uh, apply. A year later, um, the first disabled astronaut has joined the ESA astronaut program. Um, a British man has been chosen for astronaut <coughs> training by Europe, Europe's space agency, uh, who, uh, the man is disabled. It's the world's first. His name is John McFall. He's 41. 
He joined 16 men and women selected for the ESA's uh, first new class of astronauts in 13 years. His right leg was amputated after a motorcycle, cra motorcycle crash when he was 19. He became a professional athlete and represented Team GB at the Paralympics. Um, he is, you can see a photo of him right here, um, running. He's the guy on the left there. Um, another looks, British woman, Rosemary Coogan was selected as a career astronaut. Uh, ESA said it wanted to widen the definition of what it means to have the right stuff to go into space. Uh, this announcement does not mean McFall is guaranteed to go to orbit. Instead, he will be a part of a feasibility program to see what the requirements would be for that to be possible, which I think mm. is like kind of common for most astronauts anyway. It's like you get signed on to be an astronaut. You're not guaranteed to go to space. I think there's, I think there's maybe there's, not lots of astronauts, but I think that it's, it's not uncommon to be an astronaut and never get to like, I'd say I, do a I spacewalk. actually would say lots. Um, you know, it's it, like when Canada, when Canada selects an astronaut, um, typically they'll select two and one gets to go to space and one might not. So it's like half the astronauts likely won't get up to space. Yeah, that, that's that wild. Selected. But are you an astronaut if you don't actually get to space? Wow, that's an interesting question. I, technically, I don't think you are, but you're still in a, you're still in an astronaut program. Yes, you're still right. an you're still a, a trained astronaut. You're just not officially an astronaut until you go into Lord's orbit or whatever. Um, it sounded like you said go into the Lord's orbit. <laughs> it did go, sound until like you go to the Lord's orbit. <laughs> uh, Brian, I just wanted to say those pants are so functional. They're super functional. Yeah, they've got are those yeah. zippers on the knees. Do they have zippers uh, or are those just patches? These are patches, um, and you can put knee pads underneath them, oh, and okay. they unzip on the side for some like uh, airflow ventilation. Cool. What time are you dropping into the AO? <laughs> what time should we drop? <laughs> Dude, look at those! Look at that cargo! Those cargo pockets on the thighs. <laughs> these are for my. Uh, these are my expedition pants. They are sick. I I, I really quite uh, like those. It's functional. Um. So uh, McFall, who won a bronze medal at the Paralympic Games in 2008 in the T42 100 meters. Uh, said he. What's T forty two? That sounds like a like a fucking um, Terminator. I, I think it's a classification of um, of robot. No, of because with depending on um, the disability that you have, or like the amputation, or like the severity of your amputation. There's like different classes of events. Oh yeah. So it's not just like there's a one hundred meter <laughs> and everybody competes in it. It's yeah, like, yeah, right. There's it's like, like different one hundred meters depending on yes. the classification of your um disability, uh, whatever your disability is. So right. Yeah. Uh, so this is really cool. He he told the BBC that he had not previously considered becoming an astronaut, but felt until listening to Sick Boy podcast. That's right. Talk yeah. about yeah. He literally yeah, he specifically right. uh, quoted us. Uh, uh, but he felt compelled to apply when he saw the opportunity from Sick Boy podcast. Uh, when ESA <laughs> announced that they were looking for candidates uh, with a physical disability to run this astronaut feasibility project, I looked at the person's specification and it just kind of jumped out at me. He said. Um, I felt so, so inspired by it. I felt compelled to apply. ESA will be working with NASA on the feasibility study. They need to establish first that a para-astronauts inclusion wouldn't compromise crew safety. It's also possible the space vehicles in which they travel will need adaptations. Uh, quote, it's really important for us to involve everybody that has an, exp uh, that has an excitement about space, said Dr. Peter or David Parker, uh, ESA's director of human and robotic space exploration. Um, so that's pretty cool. Like he just, like, isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that a crazy thought? You're, you're a Paralympic athlete, you know, let's say he did that back in the, back in the two thousands, early two thousands. And, you know, I don't know, let's say now he's working as like a, 
you know, physicist he, or something. He, That's most <laughs> likely what he's up to. I, I doubt it. I doubt, like, I doubt that. I, I, I bet you he, he's he's working just like a fucking mundane job. Like, no, he's probably a doctor or Let's a Google scientist him. or it, something like that. What's his name? So, so, no, not almost certainly. So, really? no, yeah. Or a so, pilot? Nope. I guess he wouldn't be a pilot. No, nope, not even. So, what was his name again? Um, his name was John McFall. So with astronauts, they're they're um you don't have to have a uh you don't have to be a scientist, you don't have to be a doctor, you don't have to be anything specific to apply. Um there's uh there was a woman who applied to be either Canadian astronaut or a an American astronaut, and she was just a soccer player. You just have to be you just have to pass the the test. So like, you know, you have to have a certain a certain amount of like IQ that, you know. You have to, you have to be physically, physically, you have to be capable. Um, he's a doctor. Oh, he's a doctor. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think it's, but, but I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that that's what, that it's open, but I mean, I think the vast majority of, of astronauts are pilots, doctors, scientists. So, yeah. So when I, when I spent time with Chris Hadfield <laughs> and, uh, David St. Jacques, um, I was asking them this and they were saying, if you are, if you're, if you're a doctor, great. Like we're always looking for doctors. If you're a, you know, a chemist, great. That's like that's a valuable thing to have up there. But they were like, if you're a, if you're a um, podcaster, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Like, like look, if, you're, really, if you really, have an ability to make very good conversation in very small spaces, yes. <laughs> basically, they were like, if you're an athlete and you are a clear leader, that's just as sure. valuable to us as as a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, it says just for for um, context too. He so he did his bachelor degree in 2004. He studied exercise science, and then I imagine then he had his athletic career after that. Mm. Um, and then in ten years later, in 2014, he uh, graduated um, with a bachelor of medicine, and now uh, is a trauma and orthopedic specialist um, and surgeon. Cool, sweet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, congratulations to John. Very fucking cool. Would love, love to see in like three years, uh, some video of him, fucking strapping onto a Soyuz and going. Guys, to we the should ISS. we should have him on the podcast because he also worked as. He won't a, go to Soyuz. He'll go on a fucking Falcon Nine or something because they're flying from the U.S. now. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose you're right. He yeah. did. Uh, Could he, still go from a Soyuz though. He worked as a nursing assistant um, at the. Marie Curie Hospice uh, Care Center. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I like this guy more and more. Yeah, he's really... He's let's sweet. talk to him. Um, I'll reach out. We'll see what we can do. Um, let's move on. Another fascinating story. Uh, we've been doing a lot of like birth stuff ever since you uh, popped a baby Burst. out of your womb, Taylor. Um, oh, guys. Zay is like crawling around. Dude, and she is so chatty. She's so chatty now. And she's kind of like my dog. It's crazy. Yeah, that's what I always think of. <laughs> I mean, I can understand her as much as I can understand Rupert. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was like, that's all I heard last night. Um, and then Kyle in the background go like, like right back at her. And then you're so, like, you'll chime in and go. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> she guys are just like, just a fucking bunch of aliens in a condo talking to each other. your favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it 
I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, so th- this is, uh, this is fucking crazy. Uh, this came to my attention from an image that I saw on Reddit. It was just an image, uh, did a little bit more digging. And, uh, this is the article that go- goes along with this. So, so they took an artificial womb, um, and they were keeping premature lambs alive for weeks in this artificial womb. And the hope is that humans could be the next thing that we utilize for these artificial wombs. So. Um, I'll play this video while we go through this. But um, I don't know, dude. Sounds like the Matrix. You can see it here. Here's the the baby lamb. Whoa! Um, it's it, it like a, a lamb that that still is in utero. Like it's not. It hasn't been born yet. Whoa! <laughs> so an artificial womb uh, that could someday sustain extremely pre- prematurely born infants has managed to keep baby sheep alive for weeks. Uh, for for four weeks specifically. The womb, called a bio bag, got to change that name, yep. is a plastic bag filled with fluid to mimic the conditions inside of a uterus. Knapsack. A ba- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a baby, bo- a bio knapsack. Uh, a baby born too early could spend a few weeks in the bag where the tubes from their umbilical cord to an external device could provide oxygen to their blood. After that, the baby would be taken out of the bag and hooked up to a mechanical ventilator, which would help them breathe until they developed sufficiently to breathe on their own. The technology could someday better support infants born in uh, in the middle of the second trimest- trimester, as early as 22 or 23 weeks into the pregnancy. Wow, that's Whoa. super fucking early. Currently, babies born so early have a very low chance of survival, about 50%. Um, and the wow. devices I'm that keep... Wow, even that good. Well, well here's, here's the hard part. The, the, the devices that keep them alive can also cause severe and permanent damage. Um, so Dr. Alan Flake, a pediatric and fetal surgeon at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, tested different versions of the bio knapsack on <laughs> prematurely born lim- uh, lambs, and the results of which are described in uh, This Week in Nature Communications. In the most advanced version of the device, lambs could, couldn't live on their own outside of their mother, um, survive, sorry, lambs that couldn't live on their own outside of their mother survived for up to four weeks in the bags. And Whoa. after they were delivered, their lungs functioned well, similar to normal lambs of that age. So they, so the lambs survived? Yes. Wow. Right now, the prospects for extremely premature, premature babies are grim. The best available treatment for babies born with under, underdeveloped lungs is to put them on a ventilator, um, a mechanical device that pushes oxygen into the lungs. But those are far from ideal. Uh, quote, we know that even a few hours of that damages the lungs of a 24-week infant. Um, our hands are tied because in the absence of that, the baby would die. So we accept some lung damage to keep the baby alive. Whoa. Uh, by contrast, environments that in, Im- imitate the inside of a uterus continue delivering oxygen to the fetus via the umbilical cord or directly into the arteries, which could avoid the lung damage. But challenges have been numerous. It's difficult to stick tubes into the umbilical cord because they shrink when they're exposed to oxygen or if they're perturbed at all. So the, art, the cord. Yes. So uh, artificial uteri can also easily become contaminated with infections and the fetal heart is weak and sometimes can't handle artificial pumping of blood. 
So they're Whoa. hoping that this. Dude, you know the the like a baby's heart rate. I'm not sure what it is now, like now that Zaya's like eight months or something like that. But when she was in uh, utero, it's like 140 the whole time. Whoa, the heart like, rate. Not nuts. Yeah, that's like my resting heart rate. Um, yeah, so uh, the bio bags, the bio bags are are there's you know there's a hope that this could work, but whether such approach would work for human infants and whether patient parents would accept it remains an open question. You know, like like some some wonder whether the optics of a baby in a bag might scare off parents. You know, it's like your baby. Well, like, oh, you're, fuck, I mean, like if, if it works, I know. Right. That, like that's the. But but again, you've got you've got the like cultural aspects there, the religious aspects of people just you know. I'm sure there's lots of people out there that the I even if it did work, they would go no fucking way. There's no fucking. But way. I mean, that's their choice the, for those people. If yeah. they don't want to do that, then yeah. I've got a. I've got a. This is totally um, adjacent and not directly related to this, but something that in, on the topic of like if it works, then do it sort of thing. Um, Zaya, so Zaya had um, her. I've told you guys this. She had her uh, her uh, tongue. She had like a tongue tie and a lip tie, and it was like fairly mild and. It was like it seemed like it was up in the air whether we should do something about it. Or Why does that sound so cute? A, t- a little lip tie on a baby. Oh, she tongue tie. So we got it. So so we did get a procedure done where they do like a little laser and they just they like kind of they like snip the the frenulums with a with a laser. And then there's that's these, what you guys need to do with your dicks. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mine's actually um, fine. I should have just stuck it in the laser. While they were You're like, it. yo, can I? I got some like tearing. Can I just? Can you just do <laughs> it's that? It's very like, subtle. I think I could have used a lip and tongue tie though when I was a kid. Yeah, is that yeah. why you talk so fucked? Yeah, <laughs> you don't talk fucked. <laughs> no, but like I, I have like a little bit of a little. I mean, it's. I went to speech therapy. When I would I was never a kid. notice it unless. Did you really? You went yeah. to speech therapy? Yeah, like really? it, through school. Like they and I don't. I, I've talked about this on the podcast briefly before, but. But um, I went to it like they pulled me out of class and took me to this room and I didn't really understand why I was going because you had a help like I well so that's what I in my head I was like sure, I am I going to help her there's no shame in helping but, but in my in, <laughs> in my head it, because it was probably grade two when this happened yeah and um, I had I knew that there were kids going to resource and yeah. with helpers. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was being pulled out and going into a room and they're making me say, she sells seashells <laughs> by the sea. I'm not joking. Like oh, wow. dead serious. They were making me say brown owl, yeah. brown cow. Yeah. Yeah. But it was all S's. It was yeah, right, she right, right, sells. Right. Yeah. Cause it, cause it, cause it yeah. can develop depending on, uh, depending on the shape of it and everything. It can, it can fuck up different sounds and stuff. Yeah. But, but oh, I, oh, sorry. The, 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 the let, po- just let me, uh, let me come back. Like, let me remember to come back to my helper. Okay. <laughs> and so, so the, the, the thing that I'm running up against is that, is that once you get the procedure done, you have to do these stretches where you basically have to take her lip and flip it up to like the, her upper lip and flip it up towards her nose to stretch out the frenulum that connects the the top of the gum like this. Yeah, right. You have to do that. And then you have to take your fi- your index finger and rub it along the frenulum to, to try and like break down um, any tissue that's forming, that's trying to close it back off. And then you have to do the same thing under the tongue. You have to put your I have to put two index fingers under her tongue and then push her tongue up towards the roof of her mouth to stretch the bo- underneath the tongue and then do the same thing with the index finger on, on her tongue. Like, like rub the... Like rub the frenulum to try and break down any uh, tissue that's forming. If you were sticking your fingers in my mouth like that, I'd be fucking traumatized. Okay, well she fucking hates it. Yeah. And and okay, so this is my this is my problem. She hates it. It's torture for her. Now, when we were told to do it, I was like, okay, 
if it needs to be done, then it needs to be done. How frequently I, are you doing it? You have to do it every six hours, okay. including overnight. Whoa. So, um, so I was like, okay, well, if, 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 it's, if it's helping long-term, then I'm fine with that. And I can mentally get over the hump of her crying. I hate it, but I can get over it because I know that it's doing something positive long-term. Now, apparently, doctors are going, don't do them. Because it doesn't reattach, or reattachment is four percent. Wait, they made that decision like like that. That news came out days <laughs> after. No, you, no, no, you're saying no. don't do the stretches and exercises. Oh. Yes, right. Don't oh, do the sorry, stretches sorry, and exercises sorry, sorry. because they say reattachment happens in four percent of of procedures. But they're making a hundred percent of people do those stretches, and and doing the stretches reduces it from four percent to two percent. Oh. <laughs> What happens so, if it never like reattaches? So, Does that change anything? You don't it, want it to. No, you reattach. don't want it to reattach. Yeah. You don't want the frenulum to reattach. At no, because no. then you're tongue tied. Right. But I. Have, I but like, they're like, cutting. No, they're cutting it to make it smaller. You still have a frenulum. It's oh, just still, okay. Okay. It, it's not as long, I so got it doesn't you. restrict your movement. I got you. So I'm. I'm going. So now I'm going. What the fuck? Am I torturing <laughs> this child? Yeah. For a. F- four percent chance of her getting this reattachment. I'm going to torture her for six weeks four to six weeks of doing that every six hours and now her crying is affecting me mentally in a way different way because now that i'm not sure that i'm helping her it's like destroying me you're you're realizing that you're a bad parent right and kyla can't do it like kyla can't handle it at all so Mm -hmm. i have to do it every time and it's actually it's really fucking with me yeah and now i'm pretty pissed because i'm like um because now some dentists who do it, dent, some dentists do the procedure and some mm-hmm. doctors do the procedure. So dentists are going, you have to do it. And doctors are going, you don't have to do it. And I'm like, okay, so where is the, where is, are you basing this on research or are you basing this on, on, oh, you've seen people have a reattachment and you are making some anecdotal correlation between, between the fact that they might have not done exercises. Like, are you seeing mm. any of the people who had it? Who who didn't do the exercises? Or didn't do the stretches afterwards? And it didn't reattach. Like, are you yeah. just anecdotally sampling? Yeah, like, you should ask the population. Do- did you ask your doctor about it? I have to. I have to go ask our doctor now because like this is new information. And I'm, dude, I, I, it's I just have really, a question. It's just really fucking because me. I know coming off the back of the conversation that we had with Gabor Mate, um, I know that that's also playing in your mind in totally. the sense that like, yeah. am like you know my baby is crying. Do I? do this because and it's because it's of me have, like right. they're crying because i'm doing something to her right and you're so, gonna fuck up her attachment styles she's gonna be insecure uh i mean like it's insecure I, avoidant i'm I mean, <laughs> may, maybe like that daddy is a, was pushing on her on her fucking frenulum yeah but but do you think that six weeks i'm curious like in six weeks like how much of an effect does that have like is this a formative time for the child where like in six weeks you can well think about it this way doing that how, how old is she think she's eight months think yeah about i it. remember everything at eight months dude <laughs> no think about i remember it. that shit think about yeah. it this way gabber's gabber's take on 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 letting a baby cry is 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 that whole thing is based around um like uh sleep training yeah right so it's like and in sleep training if you do the most like aggressive style of sleep training, which is basically put your baby in their in their in their crib, leave the room, don't go back in until tomorrow morning, no matter what. 
that's like the most aggressive style. Like, don't go in and comfort them at all. Don't pick them up. Don't do anything. If they cry, let them cry. Let them cry all night. That's what your dad did to you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and people, for people who don't know what sleep training is, it's basically training your kid to just to go sleep to, through the night to, and to sleep on their own. And yeah, and I mean, this is fascinating because you can see the difference, like right here. So, like your your dad did that to you. Your your mom didn't do that to you. You are so empathetic. Taylor couldn't give a shit if the person, if someone got hit by a car. No, I'm becoming more empathetic and, by the day with my child. Well, yeah, I mean a little bit. Learned, like, yeah. You know, like. Well, I mean, fuck, it's a skill. Intellectual uh, empathy. So <laughs> if Donut, if Donut had a seizure and died right no. here, Taylor would be like, ooh, <laughs> tough. That's uh, <laughs> tough, tough luck, bud. It's gonna hurt you no, for so, a while. So, so this is so that's the most that's the most aggressive style of sleep training, and that is that is supposed to your child is supposed to in that way. They're supposed to learn to go to sleep on their own within like four nights. So that's four nights of that. Mm. This is six weeks. Four to six weeks, every six hours, making Zaya ball her eyes out. So don't do it. I, I know, I know. But then I'm like, ah, fuck. You know what I mean? It's four percent, two percent. Like fuck it. I know. Yeah, but but, the, but it's but also the, double. But the four percent and two percent, I can't find the studies that that say that. Where, so wait, so where did know, you hear this from? Different websites. Cora. Of different Cora.com. Web- <laughs> mommy blogs. No, no, not mommy blogs. Um, like uh, um, different, um, different um, like clinics around the world that that have information about like doc, like medical clinics around the world that have that have different perspectives on what to right. on like how to care for the mouth like after you have this procedure done. Right. And fuck, dude. Anyway, there's got to be a technique though that that isn't like sticking your fingers in her mouth and rubbing like can you can you like because i'm Give imagining a lollipop well on, but, honestly honestly you might be right bri because this is typically done on babies that are like that are like three months old and they and three month old babies like they don't do anything whereas zaya is like moving around she's moving her tongue she's talking like she moves mm. her mouth she eats food she moves her mouth way more than a the three month old baby is so i'm like is not her just being herself, moving mm. her her mouth and her lips? Dude, t- yeah. get, get get some like apple juice, you know, some of like organic shit that Kyla would be like super, super on board super, with, super yeah. good, like on board with. And then make freezies, make little freezy pops out of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just like let her suck on that. Yeah, or take like take that and rub it on, like rub it on the spot, like kind of. Go out of your way to like push on the spots where I'm. I'm you being serious. You cannot even do it. You cannot even put now. now I'm being serious too. Now yeah. that I've now that she's she's she knows, if I start to go near there, she's like, dude, she'll start to bite down on my fingers and dude, it's fucking. Oh, wow, dude, stop wow. doing it. I know. Honestly, I know. yeah, I think you're right. Be a good dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of my helper, um, so so when I had that helper for years, I thought I had the helper because I couldn't read well. I read fine. The reason I had the helper was because I was so hyperactive. You were a distraction to the rest of the class. Yes. And so, so I asked my mom about this because, you know, all Dude, this, because you have ADHD. Well, so all this ADHD talk with you, Brian, I like, I've been going, huh, maybe, I, maybe I, maybe that's, maybe I'm in that boat because like, there's a bunch of stuff that I've seen as of late that I didn't Did you know. you have your appointment with the guy? Well, I didn't know about it. I didn't know. I thought ADHD was just like hyperactivity. You know, I, I didn't know shit about ADHD until we started doing this podcast and exploring ADHD. When you started exploring it big time, that's when I started going, oh, fuck. Like a lot of this is like a lot of the stuff I'm hearing you say relates to how I feel. And so I asked my mom, I was like, hey, mom. When I was growing up, like, did you ever have teachers 
say to you that they they speculated that I might have ADHD? And my mom was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah. Like, I'd say probably all of them in in elementary school. Pretty much every one of them said that to me. And I was like, and did they did they recommend you get me checked out? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and did you? And she goes, no. And I go, why the fuck? And she goes, well, you know, you're a child. You're, you you had uh, you were just an energetic child. You grow out of it. And I was like, OK, well. Uh, did I? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I did. <laughs> so I went in to see my family doctor yesterday and uh, I got booked in for, to be uh, to be consulted at the ADHD clinic. Over in yeah. Is your family doctor a family doctor or is it uh, someone it's, through it's, the CF clinic? No, it's or? my family doctor. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm getting referred and uh, I'll be going on that journey. I'm sure we'll talk about it once once uh, once that comes up. Um, anyway, uh, here's another really interesting story. Uh, Taylor, you, you flagged this and, uh, I mean, not a surprise, but also super, super fascinating. Organ donations rise around motorcycle rallies. So a new study suggests a link between the large gatherings, uh, and a slightly higher number of transplants after traffic crashes. That's so fucking interesting. So eh? crazy. So this summer when half a million bikers clogged the streets, of tiny Sturgis, South Dakota, for one of the country's largest motorcycle rallies, there might have been a small, unexpected benefit for nearby patients desperately awaiting organ transplant. What do you think rises around uh, the gathering of the ju- of the jugglers? <laughs> <laughs> well, a guarantee a lot of those folks probably aren't opted in, so it's probably it's probably poor. Um, <laughs> jugglers are great. Hey, I love. The Juggalo community, um, very pro Juggalo. They're they're a very. I'm loving, not a big ICP fan, a, but know, I love watching Juggalos do their thing. First, uh, first uh, CD I ever owned was Insane Cloud. I, rem- was really I remember that. Yeah. I remember. So this summer, when half a million bikers, clo- uh, uh, so motorcycle, uh, major motorcycle rallies are associated with increases in organ don- donors involved in motorcycle crashes, uh, according to a study published uh, in JAMA, Internal Medicine. Wait, can I just clarify this? So there's a large motorcycle rally and then there are accidents and yes. then they donate their, yeah. their organs are donated yes. to people so locally. Say, say you're like, right. I'm yeah. wait, I'm waiting for a liver and I need a liver stat. Move and, 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 to and, fucking South Dakota. Oh yeah. And, and, the, and they're like, well, the motorcycle rally is coming up. You're like, oh, yes, yes, dude, the motorcycle rally. This yeah. is my fucking ticket. Um, the authors right. theorize this could be because the numbers of motorcyclists attracted to the rallies, dangerously congested roads designed for far less traffic or riskier behaviors such as riding while fatigued. Although they were careful to emphasize that policymakers should focus on reducing traffic deaths, the researchers wrote that they should also, quote, anticipate and translate eligible deaths from these events into organ donations. The lead author, Dr. David Cron, who is a surgery resident at Massachusetts General Hospital, said he got the idea for a study when a colleague described working at another facility near a major rally in New Hampshire. They said, quote, they used to gear up for these events and increase staff in the emergency department and plan for an influx of motor related uh, motor vehicle related trauma. Whoa. So they're like, the rally's coming. We got to get we got to up this. Like they're they're prepping like as if a plane just crashed in the city. Whoa. Like they're going, we got to uh, up mm. the up this like the staff. We got to be like ready because we're just going to have a bunch of fucking people coming in dying. Um Previous research has linked such rallies to increases in crashes and fatalities, but the new study found there were 21% more organ donors during these rallies 
than in the, than in the surrounding time periods, amounting to one additional donor for every two major motorcycle rallies. So here's here's a stat: over a hundred and five thousand people are on a national waiting list for an organ transplant, and seventeen die each day. Whoa! Although wow. over ninety percent of people have voiced support for organ donation in the U.S. How many? Sorry, ninety percent have voiced support for organ donation. Only half the population has registered to be an organ donor. Dude, simple opt solution. Out. Opt out. That's it. I mean, like Nova Scotia took on the opt out uh, program, and I think it's a fucking amazing idea. And it's like the mo- it's like the I don't simplest. Why, yeah, like I don't. It seems like such an easy fix. It's just like check that yeah. check that box. No, you, no, you wanna, don't even have to. No, check that box if you don't want. Yeah, exactly. To. And, it's like, and you know, ninety percent of people go, "Oh, sweet, it's taken care of for me." I it's like, it's like, it. but it's also, it's just so simple because it's what's more convenient for the masses. So there's, there's this thing that will positively impact a population. Most people feel like they, like they want to partake in it. Totally. Some people don't, and that's fine. Opt out. Yeah. So make it instead of making it so that all of those people yeah. have yeah. to opt in. Why make, make 90, so small, why make 90% yeah. of the people do something when you can do it when for you them. can make only 10% of the people have yeah. to do something? Because it's only 10% of the people that and want also, to opt out anyway. The amount of money that that would save just in like paperwork. Yeah. Oh my God. The, I mean, the other option, the, the alternative option here, which I think is probably the easier option. I know what you're going to say. Is if you are one of those 105,000 people waiting for a, an organ transplant. Host a motorcycle. If you don't right. drive a motorcycle, fucking get interested. You don't even have to start driving one. Just <laughs> no, get interested. That's gonna and then up, that's going to up your... Yeah, that's yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. You're going to become the donor. But get interested. <laughs> and then that interest shows that you are someone who can rally a bunch of people to come together and bring a rally to your town. Right. You should, uh, honestly, that's what we should be doing now is advocating for more motorcycle rallies. Yeah. Right. And I'm not that's saying that, I'm not that. saying that. kind of fucked up because you're, that, you're yeah. basically saying we're hoping a bunch of deaths. We're not hoping <laughs> for that. No. Uh, it's, uh, well, you got two options. It's hope for the deaths. And you know what? Or change the fucking opt. I used to drive know. a motorcycle. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. And you look like you drive a motorcycle. Do I? Yeah. I got a motorcycle look? Yeah, you That's do. That's a high praise, I think. Could be. Depending on the state. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see it. No? No. Yeah, not enough leather vests. Not enough patches. Right. Um, not the not clothing. Enough, not enough goatee. Not like, the clothing. <laughs> I just mean like your general makeup. Right, okay. You look like a motorcycle. You do look like a guy. You do look like a parent that would motorcycle with his baby on the front. <laughs> right. I mean... I've been to Southeast Asia a lot. They do that. It seems very safe. <coughs> My uncle died in a motorcycle accident. I wonder if he donated. Uh, well, that organs. was probably before the opt out. The opt out long before. It w- yeah, it was yeah. like thirty years ago. So yeah, I doubt it. All right, let's go on to what the health. This one's for you, Brian. I've got a top eight list. Fuck yeah, top eight. Top eight. What? Why? It was top ten, but th- it was top ten. But there's two in there that I hated, so I just took them out. Okay. Uh, the top eight. Uh, what was this? I forget what it is. <laughs> top eight. Um, wait, wait, wait. If I'm going to use this for TikTok, you really got to be like the top <laughs> eight, whatever. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, top eight weird medical practices that don't exist anymore. <laughs> All right. So number eight. Wait, wait. No, oh, dude, yeah. you can't. Number eight. <laughs> smoke enemas. Ouchie. <laughs> Tobacco smoke enemas were considered a successful treatment for cholera. What? Oh, crazy. And were recommended as an alternative remedy to opium. The exact oh, this procedure is a long varied, while ago. But, oh, these are all a long time ago. <laughs> the exact procedure varied. Uh, and in some instances, a pint of, Jesus, a pint of 
boiling tobacco-infused water was administered into the intestines. Oh, what? And it was even reported that hundreds of lives might have been spared by the tobacco. It might have, you, must, you must mean boiled, like it had been boiled. No, no, not no. boiling water. Boiling. It says boiling. <laughs> no. We're going with boiling. <laughs> oh, whoa. All right. Number seven. Wait, wait. Number seven? <laughs> Whale Hotel? Whale Hotel? <laughs> what? This article from 1899 reports on a hotel in Australia where you could go for rheumatoid arthritis. In this treatment, whenever a nearby whale died, patients would be rowed to the whale. Then the whale would be cut up and a narrow hole made into the body. The patient would then lay down in the carcass for up to two hours. This process allegedly relieved soreness and inflammation. And this may be uh, the this may be the best part here. The treatment was reported to be discovered by a drunken man who is staggering along the beach near a whaling station at Twofold Bay, and who, seeing a dead whale cut open, took a header into the decomposing blubber. Oh, whoa, that's nasty. Um, Drunk dude's just like, guys, oh, fucking get in that. Yeah. The the whaling industry. No. <laughs> no. Dang. No, the, the whaling um, industry in like the early 1900s was so fucking crazy. Did you know that? Um, Good money, the, I bet. The amount of, it <laughs> was, yeah. it was. Uh, Probably a lot of whales back then too. A hard life. Yeah, there was a <laughs> yeah, lot more, more whales, whales today. Than, yeah. But um, did you know that the lamps, street lamps that were in um, London, England. Yes. 5,000 yes. lamps. Um, in the early 1900s, were all lit by whale oil. Whale oil, yeah. And so they had to like replace. They were replacing Dude, them. What do you think every day that smelled like? Uh, well, good question. I, yeah. I bet you it smelled like a fucking hot wharf. I bet you that smelled <laughs> oh, like. Dude, don't say hot. The wharf. whole town just smelled like BV. We watched when I mean, uh, BV. Bacterial vaginosis. It's a uh, oh, yeah, very yeah, yeah. unfortunate. We talked about it. Yeah, it's very when very very tr- tricky thing to take very care of we, there's, not, there's not much you can do you get back to your vaginosis they're like sorry you're just gonna have like really really odory pp for for a while and you gotta let it just take care of itself when i w- when i went to um antarctica and i was on the boat they did these lectures and one of the guys uh his dad or his grandfather was robert falcon scott the first british guy to go to the south pole super familiar and um and he played a video of like actual footage of the whaling process. Oh no! Of them harpooning the whales, oh, pulling no. them on ship, and like the whole process of like skinning it, cutting it up, Jesus. like grinding up the bone. It was wow, that's great. That's sad. nasty. Yeah. yeah, it was really nasty. Uh, all right, number six, xenotransplantation. Oh, this is like uh, like pig like pig organs and stuff. Uh, or monkey. Well, yes and no. Um, this is a very specific type of xenotransplantation. This procedure involved the transplantation of the interstitial gland from a chimpanzee into an 80-year-old man in hopes of, in hopes of returning to uh, him his physical vigor. Hmm. So the, uh, the interstitial gland is a gland that basically um, helps produce your testosterone and it's located down by your junk. Um, this gland being vital to the male organism it was naturally impossible to transfer from man to man. This led me to go to the nearest species of monkeys, which has been used so successfully in thyroid experiments. Uh, later on, this entire procedure was debunked. Hmm. Uh, that was uh, Dr. Serge, Sergei Voronov, uh, who was the inventor. 
of the Xeno trade. I see the reason. I see like the logical reasoning yeah. for, for thinking that that would. This is basically monkey balls. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yep. For Crazy. on an 80 year old man. Oh, it's actually in the. Te- oh, it, it, I mean, it's it's not in the testicles, but it's near. like down in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Down. Yeah, right. Yeah, Number five, cocaine for hay fever. <laughs> Many believe that allergy symptoms caused by pollen, also known as hay fever, could be alleviated with the application of coke. Uh, as described in this article here, uh, this was discovered to not be the case. <laughs> Dr. George <laughs> Frederick Laidlaw, a recognized leading pathologist of the homeopathic school in New York, is quoted in multiple ar- articles saying, if you can't cure it without cocaine, you better keep the hay fever. I so. thought now, now, now I, are you changing your stance on homeopathy? Uh, after reading that, 100%. Like you're okay. into it now. I'm in. Yeah. Number four, chloroform? Dude, I think you need to... We're, this is a progressive list, oh, yeah, yeah. and I think you need to... No, number four? like Number four? Chloroform? We share an that office. Was we, share, <laughs> we, share, we share this office space. It's, it's, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> there's, a, there's a therapist right next to us, and there's a person in the fucking waiting room just be like, just hearing some dude scream. Whale Hotel. Am I going to be chloroformed? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Another treatment that was believed to be a cure for asthma was chloroform. <laughs> Wait, what is chloroform actually for? Chloroform is a, you ever watch a movie where no, they're no, like, go to sleep, go to no, sleep. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> I know what it's used for in pop culture. I'm wondering what it's actual uses. Chloroform is, I think it's a, it's a, um, what do you call An it? An anesthetic? A, anesthetic, yeah. Uh, let's look it up. Chloroform is a colorless liquid that quickly evaporates into gas. It can harm the eyes, skin, liver, kidneys, nervous system. Chloroform can be toxic if inhaled or swallowed. Okay, I can, maybe not. Uh, I think it's just uh, I think it's just bad. Uh, it just causes <laughs> it's cancer. Just yeah, it's just a bad it's just a bad thing. What uh, what is the main use of chloroform? Chloroform is majorly used for the manufacturing Holy shit. Dude, chloroform is majorly used for the manufacturing of freon refrigerant. Uh, the application of R22 as refrigerants uh, has been phased out in development con- uh, countries due to global warming, but it continues to be high demand in developing countries owing to its easily available availability and manufacturing. I think Freon was the shit in uh, was a bunch of the shit in the 80s that that started fucking up the ozone layer. It was, yeah. yeah. It is um can can you make chloroform with like uh, or is it mustard gas that's like actually like mustard you gas. mix mustard with chlorine or something? No, no, no. no. Mustard gas is your piss. You can you can make mustard gas with your pee and ammonia. Okay. So, so if you die, if you bleach your hair blonde again, Bri? Isn't there ammonia in your pee? Sorry, when you uh I think it's when you mix ammonia and bleach. That's right. That's it. So, so, uh, so if you pee in the toilet or like pour some bleach into like clean your toilet bowl and then pee into it and then take a big old whiff, you could die. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, you might did have we, to like, we really talk, no, we talked about this on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. I felt like I re- yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. this from somewhere. Yeah. It's exactly. like, like they had this thing where they're like, don't, don't, don't like rinse your, don't piss in the shower after you've rinsed the bleach out of your hair. Do you guys think that if I Google homemade mustard gas, that, Somebody will show up at my house. No, dude. No. Just look up the no. uh, look up the anarchist cookbook. You, they they, they you, teach you how to make um, napalm in that. It's very, probably very need, uh, very that, You'd probably need a lot. That is mustard gas. So yeah, phosgene gas, also known as mustard gas, is actually a byproduct of bleach when combined with ammonia. Yeah. yeah. So if you pee on bleach, you'd have to have a real dehydrated pee and probably a decent amount. <sighs> dude, me every morning. Yeah. You're, but you'd probably need to be dehydrated. You'd, I mean, you'd have to have more than just your morning pee. But maybe not. The mortality rate from mustard no, gas. No, way. It's easy. 
The mortality rate from mustard gas was only two to three percent. Well, I mean, that was in the that was gas in the Great War. This is that's out of context. Oh, really? Because like I just watched All Quiet on the Western Front, and there was a I thought mustard warehouse full of bodies from that gas. That's right, and that was in a movie, so you know it's true. (laughs) That's right. Um, All right, chloroform. So, so uh, asthma. They they believe that this would um, eventually result. uh, They they thought it would relieve all symptoms of asthma. It kills you. Um, <laughs> it did this, relieve this, all symptoms. This belief would <laughs> eventually result in the deaths of patients who had overdosed during an asthma attack. Oh, my God. Uh, number three, soothing syrup. What do you think this is? Uh, scissor. What? Cough, scissor. Body, Cough syrup. I, and I feel like this is scissor. Yeah. And, Cough syrup uh, and like. Patron or something. Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup was a popular remedy for babies experiencing anything from teething to diarrhea. So what were the secret ingredients in these 25-cent cure-alls? According to an article from back in the day, a heavy percentage of alcohol and morphine is the answer. Um, (laughs) Later on, this soothing syrup, along with others, was condemned. Um, They are given the label baby killers. And the ar- uh, an article advises that if you value your child's life and health, never use any of these preparations. So, Dude, isn't isn't science and fucking scientific studies amazing? Yeah. Well, trials that leads me clinical to, trials. Yeah, that's going to lead me to what I wanted to talk about after this. Um, cigarettes. So, number two, cigarettes. Here's an advertisement promoting cigarettes as a cure for asthma. <laughs> it's common knowledge now that they do the opposite and can cause asthma flare-ups. Uh, what's interesting about this treatment is that it was already known that cigarettes had undesirable effects. Um, Dr. W.A. Evans reported that in an experiment conducted by researchers... Uh, Dr. Uh, W.A. Uh, uh, Marlboro. Marlboro. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, the subjects became breathless on exertion. Some have pains around the heart, some have palpation, and others suffer from swimming in the head. I'm not sure what that is. It's probably a head rush. And this is my favorite one. Number one, milk, it tr- milk transfusions. That's <laughs> I love That's the way so that insane. you say milk. Milk, milk, milk. In the late 19th century, milk was believed to be the perfect substitute for blood. Uh, and the fatty, oily qualities would become white blood cells. However, oh, wow. While a few instances of this procedure were successful, many resulted in death. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny about this? Is, is, Doctors used to be like us. You know, doctors used to be like us going, well, couldn't you just do it like this? Doctors used to be way different White blood cells? Why don't you just put something in that's white? (laughs) Doctors were like us when we're like, can't you just fix it by doing this thing? And then they would do it and it would kill people. people. Doctors bone saws, it, Without testing it extensively. (laughs) Bone bone saws were just like, I don't know, man. That looks bad. I'm going to cut it off. And they're like, wait, don't. And he's like, sorry, you came to me. <laughs> this is bite what down, I bite do. down on this while I put some milk into your fucking veins and chop off your knee. Um, uh, in one instance, the injection of milk dropped the patient's pulse immediately to the point where they had to be resuscitated with a comb- combination of morphine and whiskey. Some of that syrup. <laughs> uh, and the patient only lived 10 days after the operation. So, oh my God. So no transfusions don't work. But here's the thing that I want to like kind of cap this off with. These are all like, you know, 19th century, late 19th century bullshit fucking things that we just didn't know anything about mm-hmm. anything. Bro science. But like, I feel like today in 2020, like yesterday, I had a conversation on Termion with a, uh, an OBGYN in the US who um, does a lot of work to, to spread awareness surrounding female genital mutilation. 
Um, so if you're not familiar with female genital mutilation in some cultures, some religions, it's considered like a necessity. Um, and what they do is they literally clip off the glands of the clitoris. So they, they like the, the nub of the clit, they just go and they just cut it off. Now, the argument, the argument from the cultures that are doing this practice, that is fucking, I don't give a shit what you think about religious practices or culture. This is just bad. This, they say, well, it's a female circumcision. It's not. A circumcision is when you cut off the foreskin of the penis. Yeah, not cut the head of the dick off. That is what yeah. female mutil- yeah. genital mutilation is. You're mm. cutting off, it would, be the, it would be cutting your head in half is, the, is, is essentially what we're doing. And they're doing this to like five-year-old girls, right? They, they, they do a thing where, you know, a family will live in the U.S., and they're from, you know, say they're from Egypt. They'll send their five-year-old daughter. It's common in like to East, their, East Africa, East and West Africa, right? Uh, yeah, some parts of Africa, <clears throat> Egypt as well. And so they'll send the daughter to their grandparents in their home country for uh, summer cutting is what they call it. Oh, fuck. And so this, this surgeon basically tries to do reconstructive surgery to help bring back some sort of sensation. Um, I think we covered on the podcast last week that the, or a couple of weeks ago, the clitoris is... Um, is like the only 10, organ in the body yeah, that, that is purely um, its pure function is just pleasure. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand nerve fibers. We just we just found out. So like, you know, twenty twenty two. That shit's still happening, right? That's crazy. That's craziness. Shouldn't be happening. Could be on that list. It like, could. I mean, it, yeah. So so what what are the things that are going to be on this list in you know in like a hundred fifty? But that's happening. That's years. happening in. I'm not going to say, not exclusively, but it's happening in places where it's happening in places where like the, the, the entire population hasn't advanced in the, at the same rate as like other, multiple as, doctors as in the U S got nabbed for doing it two years ago. Whoa, really? Yeah. And, Holy and fuck. basically arrested and fucking put to jail. Whoa, that's so, nuts. so like it's, but it, it's, it's, it, again, this is like this, it, there's a huge sort of cultural battle here where you've got, I mean, you've got you've got the side that is that it's steeped in their culture and they believe that this is like valuable and important, just fucking crazy. You've got the people on the other side, which are like me, they're, they're going, this is fucking crazy. And then you've got the people in the middle who don't really understand enough about it that go, well, I mean, it's religious. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural thing. That's like, so fucked. Which is like, well, I, I, okay, opinion. sure. But like, look into it, look into how like this, it's barbaric. So anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole more. So I want to think of like, there's gotta be things that we're doing and not, not like that extreme, right? right? Like that's on the extreme end of things. But like, what are some of the, like chemo, for example, right? Like we're, we're, we're right. giving chemo to patients to, to cure their cancer. We're poisoning patients in order to, to, you know, to take care of their cancer. Like in a hundred years, are we going to look back and go, man, it's fucking crazy that they were giving people for high sure. doses of chemo. I, for I, sure. I think, I think the difference, I think you're, I think you're, you're right. I think that's, that, that could be a very good, that could be a perfect example of what, uh, of it because, because there might be such effective treatments for cancer, such just, as like, we, such as like vaccines that, you right. know, mRNA vaccines that you get when you get cancer and your cancer goes away. That yeah. could be a thing. But I think the difference will be that there at least in the things that we're doing now in like, not the barbaric, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. but stuff that we're, stuff that we're just blind to. Cause yeah. we don't know what we don't know. <clears throat> um, is that there is scientific method 
still behind what we're doing. Like it has an efficacy. Right. Whereas like milk, the milk transfusions, isn't nearly as much. milk transfusions was just like, that's white. It's thick. It's probably going to turn into white blood cells. Right. It just, like, it it makes, it's gotta, it just like makes no yeah, yeah. sense. Whereas, yeah. whereas what we're doing now, we will just find it, find a method in the future that is so far Dude, superior to yeah. what we're doing. It's like now. Uh, it's like the frenulin snipping, for example, it's like, right. here's, you know, the best thing we know to do right now is this. Yeah. Obviously, like, you don't want to have to stick your fingers in your daughter's mouth and traumatize her by making sure that this thing doesn't grow back. But, like, we don't really How have a better way to do this right yeah. now. I, I one or, thing even, I, or even the even the like you know the 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 sleep uh, training or whatever you're saying like yeah that could be something where you look back on a hundred years ago it's well there's crazy. not the even baby crying you just lock them in the room and just leave them all there's, night there's not even science behind that no though, no there's not crazy. and there, there's not and that was the thing that I was I was well Brian exactly, and I had exactly a, my point Brian and yeah. I had this conversation the other day is that when I was because because <laughs> and dude sleep training is like is ubiquitous like if you found a person who wasn't doing sleep training that would be hard. Uh, on some level. So like that it's, it's, it's like kind of ubiquitous across our culture to be doing sleep training. And when you look into it and you start to, to try and understand, well, where is this, where is it, is this coming from? It really does seem to, and I'm not passing judgment on anybody who's doing this because like I, everybody I know with a baby has done this yeah. and, and I they was, can't and, be worse father than you. And, and, <laughs> and, and until speaking with Gabber, I would have been, I, I would have thought the exact same thing. So mm. like, my my understanding of this has only changed because I I get to talk to people, including one of the foremost leading thought leaders on this topic. Yeah, yeah. So like, and that's just my, that's my yeah, don't that, say thought leader, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> there, there, there are also though there. Are, one second, I just wanted yeah. to fin- I wanted to just finish that like the the like on sleep training. It's like the if you look up why you should do it. Most roads just lead back to it being nice for the parent. Yeah. That it's like, it helps you, the parent. It helps the parent get more rest. It's not really talking about the benefits for the baby for the most part. And if, and, and, and if you di- disagree with this and you've got information that you want to share with me, please, by all means, send it in. Um, Letters to the Boy Podcast or on our socials. Um, but then when you look into the reasons why you shouldn't do sleep training... That stuff is really backed up by evidence and scientific literature that talks to the psychological and chemical um, effects that leaving a baby crying for an extended period of time, if not all night, has on a child and like the downstream effects and and studies that have been conducted over years of time. Like mm-hmm. there is scientific literature to back up why you shouldn't, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of scientific literature that backs up why you should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and that's what irks me. There, there are practices that we do today that in contrast to that top eight list, um, are like modern day, we do the thing the wrong way. And before we did it better, like I think of, uh, uh, like potty training kids, like we, you know, the invention of the diaper, like they just piss and shit in their Great diaper. Idea. Awesome. And, awesome invention. And, but like, but like you, there are practices in, um, from like thousands of years ago where the, Obviously, they didn't, they didn't have diapers where yeah. they just trained the baby by holding them over a pot. Yeah, but we don't like, have time for that. We got to make money. <laughs> right. So it's like, let so, your baby shit, what, clean it up when you have the time. Like el- elimination communication. Like that, I mean, do you think that there's a possibility? And like, obviously, this is, you know, I don't think that pissing and shitting in a diaper has a really negative effect on a kid if you're cleaning their diaper frequently. But like, do you think them sh- 
shitting in their diaper is bad for them on some level. Is it bad for me? I don't necessarily no. think it's bad for <laughs> like them. I, I piss and shit in my diaper. and but That's your choice. I don't necessarily think it's bad for them, but it, I think that you are making the argument that you could make is that it could be better for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because well, I did, because I did elimination communication for a while and I know that you were joking, but the reason that you it, don't have time for the it, reason that, that we stopped doing it was because I had to start working again. And Kylo, like Kylo was just like, it's so disgusting. It's so all consuming oh, yeah, to, to be doing, to be, to be, you know, <laughs> paying ha- that much attention yeah. to like every yeah. 10 minutes, basically yeah, when your yeah. baby is new, like yeah. they're, they're peeing and pooping all the time. Well, mostly peeing, but like all the time it's something's happening all the time. So like, mm. it was just, it was just too much. And I wasn't, I, I would have, I probably would have committed more to it, but I had probably I, wouldn't have peed so much if you guys back cut work. back on liquids. Right. Yeah. If we just didn't feed her as much. That's yeah. what I do with my right. dog. Yeah. He yeah. only pees like once a day. Just yeah. don't give just him water. Restrict water. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get, yeah, I give donut a like an ounce of water once every seven eight hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I learned that from you actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, folks, well, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, a little bit more feel good than last week. Uh, listen at CBC Podcast. Go follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, lots of good content coming out from our pals over at CBC. Lots of great podcasts to listen to, so you can check them out on social media and listen to uh, CBC Podcast on the CBC Podcast Listen app. I think it's called that. Um, and if you want to support this podcast further. Well, come on over to the Discord, first of all. Uh, you can find the link in the show notes of this episode and most of the episodes before. And uh, we have lots of channels popping off over there. Uh, it's probably, eight, you know, we have like over 400 people on our Discord channel. And I would guess that we probably have a Discord channel that has the most uh, old people compared to, and when I say old people, I mean my <laughs> age. Because like Discord's a young folks game. And we got the fucking... We have a mature... We've got the most mature... <laughs> Discord audience, audience. like just so geriatric sure. Discord going on over there. Everybody's over the age of twenty five. It's fucking dope. Um, so if you want to feel like you're going to one of those cool nightclubs where you're not allowed in unless you're twenty five and super attractive, come on over to our Discord because everybody there is probably over twenty five and they're all hot as shit. Are there twenty five <laughs> plus clubs? Oh yeah, dude. In Halifax, uh, I believe hide and seek might be one. Interesting. Is hide and seek the one that's uh, used to be taboo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I tell you? Did I tell you the story when uh, I went there? I dude walked up and he was like, oh, hey, "Pay you in roses." Like, yeah, that's right. yeah, anyway, so yeah, come to our Discord, and uh, if you want to support the podcast further, um, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave a review on the Spotify mobile app. We'd love that. Uh, and uh, yeah, on God, on, on God, yeah, dude, busting. Uh, and for my own selfish reasons, but also just because I'm super fucking curious, um, sleep training. What do you know about it? I'm looking for a sleep training and the uh, the frenulum. The this is frenulum, very quickly turning into a mommy, exercise, uh, like a mommy podcast. We, <laughs> no, we, we should change no, it. No, no, no. Just no, change wants, our category no, to no, mom no. podcast. Taylor wants for, a mom blog. Because what I'm looking for, I'm looking for <laughs> doctors, nurses, dentists, and mommies to reach out and tell me. And you know what? I don't want. I don't want anecdotal shit. I want you to say this is a re- this is research. This is clinical studies that have been done that point to i don't care what it points to i just want it to point somewhere so that i can educate myself what do you what he means by research is he wants you to um show for reference your instagram account and if it doesn't have an aesthetic to it then <laughs> no we don't want to hear no, from you i want pub med okay <laughs> give me pub med um letters at sickboypodcast.com and if you want to be a guest on the show to talk about either of those topics or any other topic <laughs> 
sickboypodcast.com slash contact. <laughs> uh, we love you all. And uh, we really love Jeff Lonis, uh, who is our manager, and Rich O'Coin. Thanks for the theme music. That's all I got. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.